All right. Well, we are launching our season of fasting and prayer today. If you're new with us, what we do is once a year, we, we dedicate 21 days to fasting and prayer. And, and so we're going to start that today, and it's going to carry us all the way through to March 28th, which is Palm Sunday, and, and, and that'll just carry us into, into Easter time. And so as we do this season of fasting and prayer, we are uh, going to spend every Sunday in March talking about prayer. But here's the thing is I'm not just going to teach on prayer. We're actually going to pray. And so I'm going to try to shrink the amount of time I usually teach. <laughs> we'll see how well I do. And so that we have some time that we can all pray together. And, and press into God together. Amen. So our new teaching series is going to be called Moving Mountains. We don't just want to pray. We want to have some mountain moving prayer. And I've, I've really, I've tapped into my inner Baptist in writing this teaching series. And so I have managed to alliterate the entire series. Hallelujah. So here's what we're going to do today, March 7th. We're going to talk about the purpose of prayer. Next Sunday, we're going to talk about the position of prayer. On March 21st, we're going to talk about prayer by proxy. And on March 28th, we're going to talk about perseverance in prayer. All right. So, so that's what we're going to dive into. If you've got your notes... And you can find your notes inside the bulletin, or if you're watching this video, the notes are attached to the video on our website, or if you're listening to the podcast, uh, the notes are attached to the podcast, or you can use the church app if you prefer to follow along digitally as well. You can see in our notes, here's our big picture today, is we're going to talk about purpose, and what is the purpose of prayers is this, we cannot fulfill our mission without prayer. But the problem is, is we don't pray because we don't live on mission. You see, mission and prayer go hand in hand. You know, we think, well, I, I should pray more, right? Like that's just kind of the guilt trip mentality is I should pray more. I don't pray enough. I'm going to beat myself up because I should pray more. Well, here's the thing is if we were living our lives in such a way that we were desperate for God to come through because we were living for something bigger than ourselves, then prayer would begin to flow because we're living in such a way that we have to pray. So that's why I want us to see that mission and prayer go hand in hand. If we want to pray more, then let's live on mission more. If we want bigger prayers, we got to live for something bigger and vice versa. And this thing's going to work together. But we cannot fulfill our mission without prayer. So this idea of mountain moving prayer comes from Matthew chapter 17 and verses 20 and 21. And here's the thing is that when Jesus says this, really, the disciples are coming off of a failure, right? They, uh, Jesus had empowered them to, to pray for the sick, to cast out demons, to do all of those things. And, and so this man had brought his son who was possessed by a demon, and he had brought him to the disciples of Jesus, and they prayed over him. They did everything they could, and they could not cast the demon out of this boy. And so Jesus shows up, and he, the man is like, hey, Jesus, your disciples couldn't set my boy free. Can you set him free? And Jesus prays for him and casts out the demon, and the boy is set free. And afterwards, when they're alone, as, as the disciples are kind of wrestling with their failure, they ask Jesus, why couldn't we cast out the demon? And this was Jesus' answer in verses 20 and 21 of Matthew 17. And he said to them, because of the littleness of your faith. For truly, I say to you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible to you. But this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. 
So Jesus gives us some really simple principles for mountain-moving prayer. Number one, we begin with faith. We begin with faith, right? He says, because of the littleness of your faith. So we begin with faith. Now here's the question, faith in who? The answer is simple, God. It's faith in God. This thing starts with faith in God. Hebrews eleven six says, and without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Listen, a lot of times we put our faith in strategies. We put our faith in formulas. If we just do things a certain way, we'll get a certain result. Sometimes we just put faith in faith itself, right? Like we're just, we try to work ourselves up. Like if we can just muster up something inside of us, we're going to cause something to happen. No, the key to mountain moving prayer is that there is an object of our faith. And that object of our faith is God himself. We have to believe in him. We have to believe in who he is, that he is the almighty one, the all-powerful one. We have to believe that he is the God of the universe. And listen, the more we know him, then the greater our faith is going to be to pray. We have to believe that he is. We also have to believe that he is a rewarder of those who seek him, that if we call out to him, he'll answer, that if we go after him, we'll experience him, that if we search for him, we'll find him. We have to believe that he is a rewarder of those who is going to seek him. So it begins by placing our faith, not in anything else that we can do, but placing our faith in God and in God alone. I love Zechariah. You know, it's a really famous verse when Zechariah said, not by might." Right? Not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Right? If you've gone to church for any amount of time, you've heard that, Zechariah 4.6. But what I love is actually Zechariah 4.7. It's the very next verse. Because after he says that, he then says, What are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you will become a plain. Right? When, when Zechariah had a belief in who God was, then he spoke to the mountain and said, mountain, you're going to become flat. When we know who God is, we'll start speaking to mountains. And here's the thing. When we believe in a God who is bigger than the mountains we face, we will start speaking to mountains. So it starts by having a faith in who God is and knowing that no matter what we face in life, God is bigger so then the question is, how much faith, right? Because Jesus chides them right here. He scolds them for having a faith that is too little, right? He says, your faith was too little. So how much faith do we need? Well, Jesus said, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will speak to the mountain. Now, Jesus is using an exaggeration here, right? Because we know that a mustard seed is one of the, the tiniest of all seeds. So Jesus is like, your faith is too small if it was just as big as a mustard seed. So it was like, how small was their faith if it didn't even amount to a mustard seed? What was Jesus really saying here? What he is saying is, how much faith do we need? We need just enough to open up our mouths. That's what we need. Just enough to pray. He said, if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, you would speak to this mountain. So how much faith do we need? We need enough faith to open our mouths and speak. What does that mean? It means that most likely we don't pray a whole lot in our lives because we don't actually believe that prayer works. 
And I know we go to church and we, 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 we do all the things at church and we're supposed to believe that prayer works. And so, you know, we're like, well, of course we believe that prayer works. Well, no, here's the thing. If we really believed in prayer, we would do it more. If we really believed that prayer worked, we'd be praying more, right? If we really believed that prayer gave us access to the God of the universe, who is all-powerful, who is all-knowing, who is ever-present, who is all-loving, if we really believed that prayer gave us access to the God of the universe, and that if we would speak to the God of the universe, the God of the universe would move on our behalf, and we would see amazing things happen. If we really believed that, we would pray more. So Jesus is saying, I need you to have enough faith, just enough faith, to open your mouth and speak to that mountain. Pastor William McDowell said this. He said that we don't pray because we decided to make peace with disappointment. We decided to settle for what we have and figure that that must be all that we were meant to have. And because we decided to make peace with disappointment, we stopped praying. Come on, I want us to have a faith not a huge faith, just a mustard seed faith, just enough faith to start speaking, that just to, to believe that prayer actually works. And if we believe that prayer actually works, we would begin to pray more. We would begin to speak more. We would open our mouth, right? Prayer is a spoken language. Prayer is the language of faith. Right? We can think of every country and what is the native language of that country. Well, in the country of faith, prayer is the native language. And if we have faith, then we will open our mouths and we will pray and we will speak this thing out. And then Jesus says, I want you to have enough faith to open your mouth and speak to the mountain and you will see the mountain move and nothing will be impossible to you. But then he takes it a step further and says, but this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. So he says, we got to have faith. We got to put our faith into God and God alone. We got to have just enough faith to open our mouth and begin to pray. And then we take it to the next level with fasting. We take it to the next level with fasting. And that is why we're going to go into this season of fasting and prayer. We're encouraging everyone to use this journal. We still have plenty outside. And so if you haven't gotten it yet, grab it today. It's a $15 suggested donation. But honestly, we just ask you to give anything. If all you have is a dollar, give a dollar, and, and we'll give you the book. We, we want you to have the book. And here's what I want you to do today is I believe it's on, like, page 17. Yes, on page 17. I want to encourage you to fill this out today. So read the first 15 pages today if you haven't read it yet. And then on page 17, fill this out today. On the top, it says, I am committing to fast from blank to blank. And so you're going to write in there March 7th to March 28th. I'm, I'm committing to fast for these 21 days. And then it says, the reason I am fasting. So I want you to write in there, what is it that you're fasting for? What mountains are you trying to move? What things are you trying to break through in your life? What big uh, visions has God put on your heart? Who are you praying for? Maybe there's somebody in your life that needs a miracle. What, uh, maybe you're just trying to draw closer to God in certain areas. Fill that in. Why are you fasting? The reason I am fasting. And then the next one says, what am I fasting from? So I want to encourage you to write that down. What are you fasting from? 
And, and we can fast different things. Now, uh, in its strictest definition, fasting has to involve food, right? And so maybe you're going to fast one meal a day for 21 days. Maybe you're going to restrict yourself to certain types of foods for 21 days. Maybe you're going to fast one or two days a week for these three weeks. Whatever, the, whatever you're fasting from, write that in. And then I also encourage you to fast from something that takes up a lot of your time. It's not necessarily a bad thing. I know we get caught up in, well, you know, this is a bad thing because it takes up my time. Not necessarily a bad thing, just something that, that tends to take up a lot of your time. So in our family, we are going to be fasting from using our phones as anything except phones, right? And so we're still going to use our phones as phones because we're going to make phone calls and send text messages, but we're not going to use our phones for anything else. We're going to fast from that because we believe that that time that we're saving, we're going to be able to focus on the Lord and, and, and go deeper with God. So right in here, what are you fasting from? Uh, what are you fasting from with food and what are you fasting from in relation to your time? And then the bottom of the page, you don't fill out until the end of the fast. And that says the results of your fasting. What happened during these 21 days? All right, so I want to encourage you to fill that out today. And then when you turn the page... Day one of the journal, we're going to start tomorrow. So Monday, March 8th, will be day one of the journal, and we're going to just do uh, one day of the journal every day for 21 days, finishing on March 28th. The journal basically has about one or two pages to read that teaches you on fasting, and then it has some questions for you to journal on, and then it has your prayer prompt for the day. It's going to encourage you to write down prayer requests in a certain area and pray for that, and that's what we're going to do every day. So, so that, that, that's what we're doing as we enter into this season of fasting and prayer. We're going to take things to the next level as we fast and pray. Who is our model for this? Our model is Jesus. Listen, Jesus began his ministry with fasting. Matthew chapter 4, it says, then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he then became hungry. Can we all agree that this is the biggest understatement in the Bible? All right, after not eating for 40 days and 40 nights, then he became hungry. I'm hungry after I fast for like 40 minutes, all right, but after 40 days, then he became hungry. Here's the thing. Jesus had just been water baptized, not because he needed to be, because he never sinned, but he was water baptized to set the example for us, and then he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. Now, I'm not asking anybody to fast for 40 days and 40 nights. That's something only God could ask you to do. But I am asking us to fast in some way for 21 days. This is how Jesus launched his ministry, was with 40 days of fasting. You will notice that we don't see any recorded miracle performed by Jesus until after he fasted. We don't see anywhere in the Bible where Jesus cast out a demon until after he fasted. We don't read of any supernatural miracle that Jesus did until after he fasted. Jesus began his ministry with fasting. And then what else do we see? That he maintained his ministry with prayer. He maintained his ministry with prayer. Mark 135, in the early morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went away to a secluded place and was praying there. Right? Jesus regularly got alone. And spent time alone with the Father. Why? Because Jesus was on a mission and he knew that he couldn't fulfill his mission without prayer. What was his mission? Luke 19.10. He had come to seek and to save the lost. 
Matthew chapter 10 and verse 1, it says Jesus summoned his 12 disciples and gave them authority. In Matthew 10, 5, it says that he then sent these 12 out. In Luke 10, 1, it says after this, he appointed 70 others and sent them out, right? What was Jesus' mission? His mission was to seek and to save the lost, and his mission was then to see the kingdom of God advance through a disciple-making movement where he empowered disciples and sent them out, and they would make more disciples and sent them out. Jesus understood what his mission was, and even as the Son of God, even as God in the flesh, Jesus knew he could not fulfill his mission unless he prayed. And so here's the thing. If the king of the universe could not fulfill his mission without fasting and prayer, what makes us think we can? Right? Jesus set the model for us. Supernatural comes after fasting, not before fasting. Fulfilling our mission requires prayer. We can't do it ourselves. So I just want to give you four things real quick, and then we're going to pray. We're going to, we're going to enter into some corporate prayer here as a church. Four things under this concept of the purpose of prayer. Number one, through prayer, we align ourselves with God's will. We align ourselves with God's will. Right in Matthew 26, we see the picture of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane right before he's about to face the, the most brutal torture that, that any human being had ever faced. And he was scared to death. And he said, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. What is he saying? He's saying, I'd rather not do this, God. If there is any other way that this can happen, please let it happen any other way. But then what does he say? Yet not as I will, but as you will. Lord, let not my will be done. Let your will be done. Listen, prayer brings us into alignment with God's will. The more time we spend in prayer, the more we understand his will for our lives and what he's called us to. In 1 John chapter 5, John writes this. He says, this is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests which we have asked from him. Right? If we ask anything in alignment with God's will, we know the answer is going to be yes. And so the more that we spend time with God in prayer, the more we're aligned with His will, the more we can declare His will, and the more we're going to see supernatural answers to prayer because we're not praying for what we want. We're praying in alignment with His will. Prayer aligns us with His will. Number two, we keep our focus on what God wants us to do. What you notice here in Mark 1.35 when it says that Jesus got Himself alone to pray is he had just left a large crowd of people who had gathered around him, the sick and the demon-possessed, and he was healing them and casting out demons, and, and this crowd just wanted him to stay and do more. Well, he, he left the crowd and went and got by himself and prayed. Well, the disciples came and find him, right? They're like, uh, Jesus, there's still a crowd. W would you like to come and, and do some more healing? And Jesus said, no, let's go to the next town. Right? You see, Jesus wasn't bent by the pressure of what people wanted him to do. Jesus was focused on what God wanted him to do. The people wanted him to stay right there so that they could keep getting blessed. But God wanted Jesus to go from town to town to spread the message of the kingdom of God. So when we pray, 
We aren't under the pressure of what people want us to do. When we pray, we're not under the pressure of what our flesh wants to do because our flesh always wants to please itself and do what makes us happy. No, when we pray, we get focused on what God wants us to do and we take steps in obedience to his call on our lives. Number three, when we pray, we are renewed in our spirits. Why did Jesus get alone? Well, if you read Mark chapter 1 and you see the day that he had, you would know that even Jesus needed to get renewed, right? Jesus had just called his first disciples. They had gone to Capernaum to, to set up their, their kind of their ministry headquarters. And that first Sabbath, what the Jews considered the Sabbath is what we know of as Saturday, right? So that first Saturday in Capernaum, it says they went to the synagogue. The synagogue was basically what we know as the local church for the Jews. It was their teaching center. And so Jesus went to the synagogue on, on the Sabbath, and it says he began to teach. So he had already spent a chunk of the day teaching in the synagogue. Then they brought a demon-possessed man to him, and he cast out that demon. It says then when they left the synagogue, they went to Simon and Andrew's house, and Simon's mother-in-law was sick, and so Jesus heals her. And then when he heals her, that's when the whole city shows up. And now all night long, he is casting out demons and healing the sick, and the crowd is gathered around him. That was just one day. Jesus was tired. He was spent. And he needed to be renewed. And so he got alone in prayer because it's when we're alone in prayer that we are renewed in our spirits. Listen, the world does not need tired, worn out, burnt out Christians who are just trying to get by on their own strength. That's not what the world needs. The world needs Christians, as Mark prophesied earlier today, Christians that are full, Christians that are renewed, Christians that have plenty of energy, Christians that are full of joy, not full of grumpiness because we're fried and we're ready to snap on the next person that asks us to do anything. We need to be renewed in our spirits. We find that renewal in the place of prayer. And number four, we are empowered to fulfill our mission. Jesus got alone in prayer, not just because he had had a long day. Jesus got alone in prayer because he knew he still had a lot of long days ahead of him. And so he got to that place of prayer because he knew it was in that place of prayer that he would be empowered to continue to fulfill the mission that God had put upon his life. He needed to be empowered for the next day. And we need to be empowered for the next day. We need to be empowered to be on mission. I came to Christ as a young adult. I was 22 years old when I got saved. And as a brand new Christian, I knew I was called to ministry, but I didn't even know what ministry looked like. I, I didn't know uh, uh, what exactly I was called to or what I was getting into. I just knew that I had a burden on my life to advance the kingdom of God and to share the gospel with people. And so I went to the Master's Commission in Phoenix, Arizona to, to get my ministry training. And it was in the Master's Commission that six days a week, we started the day with an hour of prayer. And so everything that we did was, was bathed in prayer. Every meeting that we had, every outreach that we did, every school that we went to, everything that we did in the Master's Commission was bathed in prayer. And when I left the Master's Commission, when I graduated, I went to Lake Havasu, Arizona, and I became a youth pastor. And what did I start doing as a youth pastor? I started gathering teenagers to pray for an hour every day. 
And everything we did with, was bathed in prayer. And, and I can say that the, the, the adventure that I have lived on, the supernatural things that I have seen in my life, even the, uh, the most personal blessings, like having an amazing wife and, and being blessed with wonderful children, everything in my life has been the outflow of prayer. And everything I have done on mission in my life has been the outflow of the empowerment of prayer to fulfill that mission. Right, And because uh, of the prayer that has bathed my life, I have been able to preach the gospel in Africa and see people come to Christ. I have preached the gospel in Argentina. I've been able to travel the mainland and, and, and work with at-risk teenagers and save lives from suicide and see young people turn their lives around. And, and of course, that adventure then called us to Hawaii to, to lead a church. And listen, everything about where I have gone in my life was birthed out of learning how to spend time in prayer. Now, that's the, that's the good news side of it. The bad news side of it is I'm still just like everybody else. There's not something about being a pastor that just makes you anointed, and simply because you're a pastor, you're now excited to spend a bunch of time in prayer every day. And in the midst of that, I've had seasons where I've relied more on strategy than prayer. I've had seasons where I'd rather get stuff done on the checklist than stop and pray. I've had seasons where I've depended on too many things. But it's in those times when I'm depending on myself that God puts a bigger calling on me that forces me back to the place of dependency on Him. And what is that bigger calling now? It was to come to this little rock in the middle of the ocean and to build a church for Jesus that would be a disciple-making church, that would be a part of a multiplication movement that would not just impact Kauai, but that would spread around the world. Listen, that is a mission that causes me to be desperate for prayer because that is not a mission I can fulfill in my own strength or with my own strategy. If you don't have enough excitement to pray, it's probably because you don't have a big enough mission driving your life. Many times we just get stuck in the, the routine of, you know what, as long as I go to work and, and I'm making money and I go home and I've got a nice place and, and I've got my family and as long as I can get the kids to bed without any major meltdowns, then today was a pretty good day and I'll wake up tomorrow and I'll do it again. And if that's all that we've settled for, then we don't have anything to drive us to pray. Because there, there's no desperation in that. Well, sometimes when the kids are freaking out, there is a little bit of desperation in that. But you know what I mean. But when we have a bigger mission, something that's beyond ourselves, and we know we can only fulfill this mission if we're empowered, then it'll drive us to that place of prayer. And so mission and prayer go hand in hand. We can't fulfill our mission without prayer. And maybe it's in the place of prayer that God speaks to us a bigger mission. But when we don't have one, we don't have the other. And so I want to encourage us as we go to prayer and as we enter into this season of fasting and prayer, come on, let's get a bigger mission and let's go to prayer so that we can be refreshed and revived and let's go to prayer so that we can be empowered, so that we can fulfill the mission that God has put upon our lives. And we know the mission of King Jesus is to make disciples who make disciples. And we know as a part of Kauai Bible Church, we're going to be a part of that mission. So let's be empowered in that mission together.